the window had been busted out and our gear, part of our gear had been stolen. Uh, there's nowhere to play up here at all. I'm sitting there kind of by myself, like waiting for my manners. And, and the mirrors, like they, the mirrors kind of like spin open like 90 degrees, like they kind of rotate open. And all these women in sexy lingerie can come walking out from behind the mirrors. I'm just well, going to throw this out there that it almost sounded like you were kind of the dark side sometimes of the scene. Just when I parted ways with monuments and so it was a really, really desperate time of my life. At the end of it, our bass player told us, like, he just looked at us and was like, yeah, this is my last show. So, like, basically back to the beast era. Dealing with this alcohol intake and we're at a Christian festival and we're supposed to be a Christian band. I was like, man, this, this sucks. This is not a good look. Welcome back to Dark Side of the Scene. I'm your host, Brandon, alongside Ed. My voice is barely awake, so I'm probably going to sound deeper and stupider than normal. It is very early again, which I'm usually been awake at this point for like four or five hours. But Gross. For, for some reason, everyone in the house slept until 9 a.m. today. Yeah, I had to do fucking had some crazy storms. Like that was wild. It was just thundering shaking the house i'm like we have ptsd yeah i woke storms. up at some point thunder sound like it was literally right on top of us but it woke right. my ass up and then i heard some more and then i went back to sleep and don't know what else happened <clears throat> right i uh went to this bar last night and i had a friend visiting from town and it's mainly a cover band bar so i'm not about that scene but I was hanging out in the patio and some, I think the owner and a friend of his, they play acoustic covers, which I could do with that. Cause you know, it's an, it's loud enough. I could talk to people, but I randomly just met a couple that just moved here from Alabama. And I don't know what got started. I think he was just asking me like, they like music, but they asked if there's like any original venues. I'm like, my God people. So I was like, just telling them like <clears throat> where some are, um, and I just told them about my band and shit. And oh, it's kind of interesting how you just meet random people from somewhere else. And you kind of like, kind of have like common things. Then he plays guitar and he likes metal. So it's like, that's kind of all, all the random places you meet people. So <clears throat> hopefully him and his wife come out to one of our shows and like see us. Cause they're looking for things to do around the area where they moved. So. That's not real. What's that? I was gonna say, a guy that used to be my boss when I worked somewhere else, I ran into him up at the same place, and we were talking the other day, and he said he's going to be going to a a Dark Lord festival. Mm. I never knew he was really a metal fan, but he he said Cannibal Corpse was playing and a couple other ones. I was like, "You, you do not look like the guy that would like metal just based off what I know of him. Right. Like, it's kind of weird. People, it's like a dirty secret for some people. (laughs) Yeah. But he told me before, I know I gave him a, one of the TMD CDs because Mm. he'd mentioned stuff that he did like metal. He just never appeared to look like anyone like that. And he'd sent me an email, tell me what songs he liked from it or whatever. But it's funny because 
Like he's like the head of this entire division that I worked for. He just does not look like someone that would enjoy metal. Yeah, yeah. it's uh yeah. But we were talking about that and when I left work, I was just thinking about it. I was like, This is very strange that he's gonna go see Cannibal Corpse. I was like, he did not look like someone that would even even know who Cannibal Corpse is. Yeah. It's I mean, I guess basically the underlying story about this is like it's sad there's like not a lot of places, at least in our area, where people want to see original music. There are people out there. It's not just like I'm going to go every weekend to go see a cover band because that's my thing. But it's just kind of cool that there are those people like that support original music. You may not know it. Yeah. You know? So that's not it's not really rant. I'm just kind of sharing that it's kind of interesting how you meet different people from all walks of life. No, definitely. <laughs> we've got someone that's already waiting and the reason we're up early today is because they're from overseas i believe yeah. i'm not 100 percent sure i believe it's either the uk or ireland or somewhere that way scotland i don't i don't know those areas i'm, I'm terrible knowing we'll find, locations. Out. We'll find out in case he, we insult him yeah <laughs> I, I don't know how they are about their uh geographic locations but anyways if you want to be on dark side of the scene send an email to brandon at dark side of the scene.com and we will get you scheduled on a future episode but we're going to go ahead and bring chris on in so sit back and we'll be back in a few minutes i'd like to take the time to welcome our guest today chris chris thanks for coming out and talking to ed and i yeah no problem just sir have me on uh, it should be a lot of fun Chris, uh, where are you from, Chris? <laughs> I am from Dunfermline, Scotland. I don't know if anyone will know where that is. By your accent, I would assume you're from Scotland. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, so Dunfermline is, it only just got upgraded to a uh, city. It's a kind of a kind of small place. It's, I don't know, mm-hmm. if you know where Edinburgh is, it's kind of near Edinburgh. It's, it's like the kind of go-to fact about Dunfermline. It's near somewhere you've heard of. Probably. Probably haven't heard of those names since school when they made you study that stuff. It's like, yeah. I would never I would never go there. Why am I learning about this? <laughs> I just got nice. Scott's nice. That's what I heard. It's like really nice out there, though. Some I would day. love to go over the different countries and everything, but realistically, most us Americans can't ever afford to do stuff like that. <laughs> not, not I heard really. an interesting fact about Americans. Apparently... A large percentage of America don't have passports. That is true. Me? Yeah. I guess America is so big, though, that flying from one end to the other is kind of like a flight to Europe. Yeah, it takes, I think from one side, this is like 2,500, almost 3,000 miles, some shit like yeah. that. Yeah. That blew my mind when I found out so many people didn't have a passport. Uh, I guess, I know, I know it's expensive to have a passport, like, uh, as a one-off cost is quite high, but I guess in Scotland, like you're so close to mainland Europe that it takes like two hours to fly to like Germany or something. So the incentives to have a passport is probably quite high. Yeah. I'd rather just live out there because you got all the cool countries around you. So <laughs> that's my Finland, Sweden, you know? Yeah. So what? Sorry. Interrupt you. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, um, so what uh 
what band are you from and what music do you play and stuff like a little bit about yourself yeah oh man it's completely correct uh, so i play bass in a band called party cannon uh we play slam death metal and uh, we've been on to go since 2010 oh Damn. nice you've been around hell yeah you gotta have stories i'm pretty sure i'm gonna get them out of you you know this <laughs> <laughs> yeah i okay. get I don't know. If I, have, I have like fun stories about being on tour. How it's like kind of like sketchy and stuff. But actual stories of being like really fucked over. Uh, not not too many. I'm getting, I think I think we're a bit luckier that way. But I, I'm sure we'll find a few where we're like, wait a minute, I did get fucked over and didn't realize it. So yeah, it, it happens to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so you've gone on tour, I take it. Yeah, we we've done a bunch. We've done a bunch, man. Yeah. And you've been over here. Been all place. We've been to America three times nice oh yeah so i guess we'll start what is the hmm, i don't know the name of like a crazy moment you had on tour <laughs> we played a club in salt lake city <laughs> and, uh, yeah uh and after the club night no sorry after after the gig had finished that is a really weird club night on I say weird, it's fucking awesome. Uh, basically, I think it was some kind of like swim themed club night. So uh, everyone turned up in like bathing suits and stuff, and like some shorts and like bikinis and things. And like Salt Lake City, like what the fuck is happening? And they set up this gigantic water slide outside, like an inflatable one. Uh, so people just all like slide down and just each other like foam and stuff. It was like fucking mental, like a huge mess, but a lot of fun. Uh, and we're like, yeah, this is pretty mad. And there's like nobody supervising uh, the water slide at all. It's just this inflated thing that's just there. That was there water on the inflatable? Was there water on it? Yeah, 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 oh. yeah. There was, there was. <laughs> uh, so this all sounds very like, tame at the moment, but uh, it gets really out of hand. Uh, this is always like a go-to story as well because it's fucking, fucking so dumb, man. Uh, <laughs> it got to the point where at night people had like getting more drunk and stuff and getting more rowdy. So eventually, one like one person going to water slide, then two people going to water slide. And eventually, some like six people, six or seven people, try to get on at once, and the thing folded over on itself. Uh, <laughs> I get so I, I can't take six adults. But the way it folded over was uh, there was like stone stairs, like a railing leading up to the water slide. And uh, when it folded over, it went over the railing, so people were kind of like trapped inside it and like falling about like on on like concrete and things. And just people like so trapped in it, like the water and stuff was making just kind of like pressure valve or, or whatever. Like, you couldn't get themselves out. Like, her legs were literally stuck and her body was, like, hanging out. Like, literally, like, a fucking full-on disaster. So, uh, I remember I was talking to some lady, and I was like, sorry, I need to get back in a minute. I need to go help these people who are fucking trapped in this giant inflatable water slide who are literally in pain. So, I remember I had to grab this guy, like, under his arms, and I can, like, try to pull him out. And he's, like, really stuck in there. And the more I pulled him, like, more pain he was, like, in. But I was like, the only way he's, like, gonna... Get all this fucking slides, and uh, eventually we managed to get like five out of six of the people out with like fucked up slide. And when it reinflated, it shot one person like in the air, like it reinflated like really violently. So it just shot this guy in the air, and it kind of like got a little airtime, but then he just landed on the side again and went down. But everyone just started clapping, kind of went back, went back to parting. Oh boy, bunch of drunks, American drunks. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking mad. That's uh, random. We were on tour of a band called, yeah, yeah, we were on tour of a band called Epicardiectomy at that point. And when the slide reinflated, 
it caught in a guitar player's hand and it broke two of his fingers. I oh. just didn't mention this until the end of the tour. It's like, oh, by the way, I broke my hand in Salt Lake City. It was like a two-week tour and I was like day three or something like that. <laughs> like, should I mention this, man? What was going on? He was still playing? Yeah, yeah. I think it was like picking hand they broke on, but it was, it was so stupid, man. It was so fucking dumb. What the fuck? <laughs> Killer slide yeah, in right. Utah. Wow. That's fun, man. That's that like a dumb story. Yeah. When I think of Utah, I don't really think of anything for some reason. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you see? Like, here in America, when you see Utah, they just show, like, this big openness, and, like, there's... They show sunsets and, like, mountainy looking things, like red rock and stuff people, like that. You don't People still in wagons. Yeah, you don't <laughs> think of anything, like, crazy. I always think of Utah as, like, a place of Mormons, but I didn't meet any Mormons. Yeah, they do supposedly have a huge Mormon colony out there. Not so much colony, but... I don't really know why there are so many in Utah, to be honest. Mm. So I was going to ask, so like, when did you start playing? Like at a young age, right? Correct. Like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I think I started playing bass when I was like 14. It was like a stupid <laughs> fucking typical thing. I was like, yeah. It's, am- it's amazing how many uh, bass players we keep getting on here because we keep saying there's a lack of bass players and drummers in the world. So it's kind of cool. Oh, that you're right, keep- there is. Oh, it's out there too, huh? Yeah, wow. I was trying to find a drummer I could like play like two sixty beats and blast beats, like good. Damn, like impossible. What is the so, uh, so? Yeah, what I was getting to as you started playing, like, what's the scene out there where you live? What's it like? I'd say it's hit and miss, and there's a lot of good local bands and stuff, but they're kind of they kind of are like there's not a lot of breakthrough like death metal bands in Scotland at least. And there's like a decent local scene. Like, if you put on like a local death metal gig, all the same people will show up and you might get like 50 to 100 people on like a good night. Nice. But yeah. And overall, it's kind of it's small. I'd say it's small anyway. It's not huge. Like, um, there's not a huge amount of bands from Scotland that go on to like tour internationally or get like bigger labels and things like that. But as that kind of local underground scene is, yeah, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's mm. gone better in recent years. There used to be a time where if you put on a demo gig in Scotland, it'll only be like 20, 25 people that turn up. Yeah, that's still that's still a lot in American stats. <laughs> you think? I don't know. So there's, you know, we, I guess everybody gets to like 20, 25 people, and it's like considered a good show sometimes. <laughs> it depends where the place is, though. If it's a big venue, that's sad. But like it's a small dive, like, hell yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it's totally mental, man. It's all yeah. my depends what you're doing, but yeah. Then seen the senior is on up and up again, I think. And yeah, I can't imagine yeah. like a death metal scene in Scotland, but like again, death metal's everywhere. Huh. So, man, same like there used to be quite a good grindcore scene in Scotland, but nice. it's kind of tapered out recently. Um doom metal was a big thing for a long time here. Mm. I could see that just because it's like around the UK and all that. Yeah, it's so cloudy and overcast all the time. You just want else to do that, yeah. So, like, basically, how long were you grinding before you guys started getting noticed? Like, did you go, like, in different countries already or other towns? Yeah, well, by the time Party started, I, I'd been driving for other bands, and I'd just kind of been in the scene for a while, so I kind of knew I had contacts in our place, so I could, like, hand up and demo. I'd just be all over the place, mm-hmm. hand up demos. So our first gig was actually in England, and mm-hmm. 
just some just on a bet like i knew that if you wanted to get those and stuff you can't just play your hometown all the time right so i was like right playing scotland playing around where we live loan priority list we'll uh, just straight away start playing other places so our first gig was in newcastle we played to something like five paying people and uh, we're supporting a band from ireland uh our guitarist blew up the amphibious borrowing somehow so we spent half of our first ever gig watching us from the bar. <laughs> yeah. We, well, uh, so must go on. <laughs> no, no, definitely, definitely. That was a good oh, wow. first gig. Good first introduction to the world of party again. Did you come back, though, and, like, re, you know, re... Uh, why can't I talk today? <laughs> Redeem yourself. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. We, we went, went back to Newcastle a few times. It's always been good. Nice. But it was good. Definitely, like, Rolling in the deep end there, I'd say. Different country, new place, nothing works. First gig, uh, yeah. Just, yeah. Just nice. Any other um, crazy stories as slowly your career is coming up? Like, you guys, what, 2010? That's a long time. Yeah, it was a long time. Uh, yeah. We played, uh, we did an Asian tour in oh. 2019. Nice. We supported Waking the Ever. It was like one of our reunion tours. I like one of fair bands, so. That was like a big deal for us. But um, touring Asia is like really different from touring like America or Europe or like that because you can't just drive places. You have to fly everywhere. Mm. So we're not used to this. We are, uh, I think we're getting like two or three flights a day, every day for like nine days. Because uh, we started in Thailand. We flew to, like, we flew from London to Thailand. So already that was like a seven hour drive from Scotland to London. Then it was like a 10 hour, 11 hour flight to Thailand, which is all fine, fine of long flights. We landed in the morning. <laughs> then we played the first gig that night in Thailand. Then the next day, um, was the Philippines. I don't know how to get. Played in Philippines. Played Philippines. Played in this like warehouse that didn't have any like. No, um, no, that's it. Yeah, played in this like, kind of warehouse area, uh, warehouse like I had like. Stalls and food outside it for fucking amazing. Mm. And I remember the power kept going off during our set, but it was still good. Then we had to get two flights from there to another part of the Philippines that night. Then uh, from there, it was like another one or two flights to Korea as I went to space like a few days. Uh, so it was like playing, going to the airport, flying, then getting two flights, arriving in the country, playing again, having a shower <laughs> somewhere, getting back in. Flights been yeah, flew from Korea, we flew to China. Uh then we had to get a from China to Japan. Then we got this like overnight bus while in Japan from Osaka to Tokyo to play two gigs. Mm. And yeah, I think we got like 14, 15 flights in like a week. But I think the maddest thing that happened there was um there's some kind of typhoon while we're in the Philippines. And so after the set, we're like, right, we need to get in the airport now or else everyone's gonna flood. So we got this guy's van and he was driving at like a hundred miles an hour in the <laughs> airport. And it was like the most like insane rain I've ever been in my life. We went under this tunnel at one point and the tunnel was completely flooded. Like oh. the water was like so deep that uh, it was like kind of splashing up and coming in the windows and things like that. Like this is fucking scary. And there's like fork lightning everywhere. And there's cars like swerving all the road and shit. Like this <laughs> is terrifying, man. It's like the closest I've ever been to an actual like fucking full on tornado. <laughs> no shit. Did you, and you still made it, huh? Oh, yeah. So, so made it, so, so. It's fucking dumb, man. It's fucking dumb. Damn. And, uh, 
You mentioned so, tornadoes. Do you guys get tornadoes? I know it's not on Banta, but do you get tornadoes in Scotland, England area? No, no, we don't. Uh, as far as natural disasters go, uh, it's very tame. Like, we don't really get anything like that. Like, I, I'm so removed from the idea of a tornado. If I saw one, I wouldn't think it was real. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, yeah. we get them quite often in our area. Uh, we, uh, when we played Miami, we had to drive really fast to avoid a hurricane. Like, the hurricane was, like, a little bit behind us. So, while we were driving, we could see the rain come in behind us from this hurricane. So, we just had to keep going until we reached, like, the next venue to try and Jeez. outdrive this hurricane. Man, you guys really are a party cannon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just... Where did what's you guys the, come oh, up? Our, yeah, what's with the name? How'd you guys come up <laughs> with the name Party Cannon? So the way kind of worked was um, obviously like build that like grindcore and stuff. Um, we liked like grindcore bands had a bit more tongue in cheek approach. Like we can nachos, Neptune genuine spies and things like that. Kind of want to combine that with like Depot and partying because when you like play like festivals and uh. Europe, people are just on a party, like they already turn up, like fucking inflatables and shit like that. It's like, cool, that's kind of see one. And uh, our singer told us this really long story about how he bought this thing called a party cannon that cost him like 15 pounds for his like, dad's birthday. And it was meant to like explode like fart. And uh, when, when it came time, like he pulled a cord out of it and nothing happened. Mm. And he's like really disappointed. So, like, yeah. And we, we thought it was just hilarious for some reason. So uh, we just decided to call the band Party Cannon. And here we are. Yeah, pretty years later. it's pretty catchy though. I mean, like it, it is memorable. Uh, yeah, like unintentional marketing genius. Like, yeah, people keep asking me, like, oh, I'll keep saying that's genius. What you did the logo and stuff. It's like, if I meant to do that, if I was that smart, I would I've... not work on nine to five desk jobs. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it reminds me of like. Sorry, I was say you always stand out when I see your guys on flyers for like these festivals or whatever. Like, everyone else has the typical can't really make out what their logo is and like can't really read what it says and you got party cannons kind of got like the ice bright color like rainbowy colors to it and it's easy to read i was like it doesn't look like the type band that would fit in unintentional marketing genius if only i was actually that smart (laughs) right i mean i feel like ale storm is the same way because they're kind of a party pirate band with the good rubber ducks and shit yeah they're they're from Perth, which is pretty close to uh, where we're from. Oh no shit! Yeah, I, I, yeah, they are. I always think I, I don't know why I thought they were Italian. I'm not sure why. I'm a dumbass. I mean, but... how many how many Scottish pirates do you ever meet? I uh, no none. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, it works. Yeah, for, interesting have, band. I'm surprised you guys haven't played together. No, did they don't have. I don't, it's not really much crossover. I think we probably really played together. It was like a huge festival going on. Mm. Um, yeah, they had like some controversy recently as well. So I, yeah. I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's, that's all blown over yet. But uh, yeah. I didn't know. I don't know about that. I guess I have to look that up. But anyway, <laughs> seems there's a lot of bands lately that's been coming up with controversy that comes out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, I don't think we've ever ran into anything bad. At least I hope not. Anyway. We've had people accuse us of things that just not been true and been kind of pretty debunkable. Like when we, when I think everyone's seen the flyer of us at Barry Death Fest 2015 mm. and like a lot of like stands out, it was like on like BuzzFeed and things that it went really viral for like one day for some reason. Like I was interviewed in the loads of papers and stuff. Someone tried to claim 
we played our wedding in Santa Cruz, California, and we turned up and we were really anti-Semitic and things like that, and we were just super homophobic, which is mad as fuck because I, I have been to Santa Cruz, but the only part of Santa Cruz I saw was my friend Parker's house and garage, and the story was like, oh, the bass player was really anti-Semitic, and he he brought me like uh, cherry tomatoes from his garden that he grew himself. I was like, well, I live in Scotland. Why would I import cherry tomatoes? From Scotland all the way to Santa Cruz, so could Ben just be really racist at your wedding that you hired a Scottish band to play? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> that makes no fucking sense. It was wild. It was fucking insane. Like uh, we started getting all these YouTube comments being like, "Why do you hate Jews?" I was like, "We don't. I don't hate Jews." Like in Scotland, you, you don't really meet many Jewish people. Why? Why would I even have an opinion on this? Like this is insane. Then it turned out this guy was just making up the story about we played his fucking wedding and just went on about hating Jewish people. Man, you would have sued, so, sued his ass. Uh, like a guitarist. Uh, so I, I'm not on Reddit. I don't really know how to use it. I'm a fucking old man like that, but our guitarist, he's pretty like savvy. All that. So he went on Reddit and he debunked the whole thing. He had to post like a picture of his face and the uh, backstage pass he had at Barry Deathfist and things like. It's quite funny. Like, he started his comment saying not to call you out, but what you said is completely wrong. So he kind of went not to call you out, then proceeded to call the guy out, just like, you are lying and saying we're racist and played your wedding and none of these things are true. Pretty shitty. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What else did someone accuse of? Uh, someone said, someone on Instagram claimed we were transphobic. I have no idea where that came from. Like, I remember I messaged him, like, hey man, uh, why are you saying this? Then he just like, blocked me and deleted everything. I was like, okay. That's really bizarre. I mean, yeah. yeah, you're right. How can Scottish band be even remotely from anti-semitic when you're trying to get out of your own country to play all sorts of places well yeah that doesn't make sense yeah, people are stupid <laughs> people are people are weird man i think they just thrive on fucking I mean, insane that, shit online that's a that's a whole nother topic itself like all these crazy people like i'm not saying like what's happening with all these bands is false information but it's like been a thing lately and it's like man what band is next that quote unquote has done you know bad activities and the problem no, is sure, when shit like this happens, more so lately because of the, and this, not to get negative feedback on us, but I just know, I'm pretty sure it was between the buried and me, one of their guys has been accused of rape. And I'm not saying he did or didn't. And I wasn't there. I don't know the situation, but there's been a lot of other things, accusations brought up against other band people and different various bands. And it doesn't matter if it happened or not. Like they're automatically, at least the way I see it, they're guilty by without even having any definitive proof or anything against any of these accusations because it already taints their yeah. image in the, the band, their association. Like it puts that negativity on them, whether it's true or not. It's hard to escape that. Yeah, no, I, I get your point. Like even if you prove it's not true, uh, just getting. I think just having an association and once you even if you prove it's not true, trying to get the the fact you prove it's not true out there can be kinda of hard. But uh, I think the only way you can really do it is just keep your head down, don't uh, screw anyone over, just kinda of keep going. Mm. Uh take take things with uh, uh as they come. Right. The world uh, of social media and the internet and everything else has made it easy for bands to communicate, I think, like a little bit easier to try and 
get things booked, but it also gave a voice to people that just want to go out there and destroy stuff for people for no damn reason. No, absolutely. Uh, I, the amount of people I've met online, I've just been absolutely feral for no reason. I just like believe like insane things. Uh, I just want to attribute things like uh, people think everything's like some kind of government cover up, or everyone thinks something's some kind of satanic ritual, things like that. It's like oh. I've met so many of them in the recent years. It's been kind of mad. Yeah. Well, we're small time. We don't we don't get that satanic money. Right, <laughs> satanic. <laughs> yeah, we don't get that Illuminati money. Anyway, Illumina- yeah. I can't say it. Illuminati money. Probably going to get flat. The same money will come in at some point, man. Uh, yeah, right. I'm good with that. But uh, I was going to say, <laughs> so, what? You were laughing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> One of our my old bandmates bought a satanic Bible years ago because he was trying to get satanic money, try to get the band famous. <laughs> he said he's gonna sell his soul. I was like, well, here we are, ten years later, we've never mounted to anything, so I don't think that worked. You didn't do it right. You had us like read it at backwards in a tub of like chicken blood. And, you know, <laughs> there's other things you had to do. You fucked up, man. I didn't do it. <laughs> One of you fucked up. <laughs> so I'm gonna bring the. The, the controversial topic um so during the beast era when all locked down everything and considering you've been advanced since 2010 how did that affect you guys once that happened the lockdowns and the bs so i'd say we're pretty for, well, fortunate in some regards compared to some other people because we all still like full-time jobs and stuff because most of us could still work from home mm. uh, we didn't really lose like a huge amount of income obviously it's still the band. We had a lot of cool band plans. Like, we were going to go back to America at a point. We had, yeah, just, it was like business as usual until it happened. So we had like a full year of gigs, even like a full two years of gigs, just like gone like instantly just from, like you said, the beast. Um, mm. Yeah, so that kind of sucked. But we kind of, since we weren't in like the worst position, we could be like, I had friends like losing their jobs and stuff. I, you people, family members are dying and things. Uh, it was, uh, we were definitely more, uh, lucky even some hours I say but we kind of kept the band rolling like at that point we're still self-managed so I was like still booking on gigs and I was still dealing with all social media and marketing and things like that so I figured let's just keep booking stuff in line with the government guidelines so the government reckons this phase will enter these months let's keep booking gigs for those months and if they get cancelled they get cancelled if they don't get cancelled we're ahead of the curve and that eventually worked out for us because we ended up being the first no restrictions, all standing uh, metal tour in like over a year in the UK. We played the first tour in the UK uh, on the week restrictions lifted completely. Wow. How did that go? Very well. Like, I think all the gigs sold out. You didn't, get, you, didn't was... get, you didn't get shit for it, though? Like, well, you're not supposed to be doing that. Uh, no, not at that point. Like, uh, because all the restrictions were lifted. So Okay. Okay. Just make sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I was like, as soon as I was like, the week restrictions lifted, we, we got really lucky because we booked. It's really weird. We booked the tour like quite far in advance, and restrictions went to lift in June, mm. and then they got delayed to July to the week of the tour. Yeah. So uh, it was just by chance it happened to be that week. And uh, people were calling it like, Freedom Week and stuff. Uh, it was mad. It was like mad timing, but um, no, no, no one really gave shit for it. I think about that point, um, mm. yeah. everybody had. Had enough. Everyone was. Oh, so you had. Yeah. They, they were all sold out then. Of your show. Yeah. yeah. 
that was that was great. It was like absolutely like wild ride, man. But um, we went yeah. through. It was only like three or four dates, and we managed to write off three vans on that entire tour. Like we hired one van, and on the way to us, it burst into flames. So uh, we're like, <laughs> right, we're not ta- we're not taking this van anymore. So Somebody punishing you. <laughs> that's what it feels like, man. Being in a van and touring, especially like when we're self managing things, it just felt like the universe was constantly punishing us for wanting to play gigs. Because like you get things in line, then last minute there'd be some kind of unforeseeable major fuck up that no one could control, and this would mm. just keep happening over and over again. And you just had to keep pulling things out of your ass to try and make things work. Yeah. It's like God, all I want to do, man, is stand on stage and play my nonsense songs and shit like this keeps happening. But yeah, so we got another van, and it was like completely covered in stickers. It was really, really weird. The guy just covered the entire van in random stickers. Like this van is weird, but it'll work. And I <laughs> right. got to the next venue. Then that stopped working. So eventually, we had to phone up another guy to come save us and just leave this van in a different city. And like, all right, you need to come get your van. It stopped working again. And that's just over for four days, man. Like three or four days. Like, how many vans do you need? It's like almost a van per gig at that point. <laughs> there uh, was lack, yeah, so la- lack of mechanics, I guess. Yeah. I kind of felt like, even though it was like a short tour, I made up for the whole uh, lockout. I went through an entire spectrum of touring emotions. And that, and that like short weekend of gigs. How did so, that feel? Like the first few shows, like how did that feel to finally play out after just waiting for something? I'd say it's very cathartic in a way because as soon as we hit like a first note, like it was weird going on stage, plugging in and like checking, like okay, this all works. We're actually about to do this. That felt kind of weird. But as soon as you hit the first note, when everyone was like fucking going insane, like yeah, this is right. Everyone's this. It's gonna feel right. It was kind of a, bit of a blur, surreal, really? cathartic. Cause just yeah, it was. It felt right though, like it's like half through set. It felt like there's like no time away at all. It's yeah. just where you're meant to be. Nice, and yeah. So you said you manage and do everything for the band. Yes, until recently I did. Uh, so for the first ten or so years of Party Can, I was managing bands and I was booking on the gigs and sort of tours, dealing with that stuff, uh, writing most songs, just doing on driving and things, just gotta make sure it all works. Eventually, eventually, we got booked onto this festival called Bloodstock Festival in 2021 in mm. the UK, and that's like the, one of the biggest festivals in the UK. Has like 17 to 20 thousand people. Yeah, and um, that was like the first one after lockdown as well, so it was going to be absolutely rammed, and it's going to be like a big deal. And they don't usually book underground brutal death metal bands as well, so the fact that we're playing that in the first place on a good slot on one of the big stages as well, like we're on the poster of like. Devon Townsend and bands like that. Uh, it was like a big deal for like just UK death metal, I guess. And the, the BBC were even going to include us in their documentary and things. I was like, and every day I was getting messages from people being like, I can't wait to see Park Cannon's Festival. I've been stocking up on inflatables and things. Like, great, awesome. This is going to be a good gig for us. It's going to be hype. Then, something like two or three days before uh, we were meant to play, our drummer got the beast. He Ooh. came down to it. Yeah, so we had to pull out, and at that point, I was like, "That is it, I'm done with the band. Fuck this." Oh. I didn't talk to, I didn't talk about bandmates for like, this is what I, what no one ever warned you about, uh, being like a DIY band. It's such like a huge emotional toll in your body, and it takes like mm. so much time. Like, I was like, "Fuck this," I didn't talk about bandmates for like five days. Uh, I mean, I, I can, also I can't be angry for being ill. I just that thing where it felt like the universe is against me. Um, yeah, and I was like. Fuck this, not do this anymore. Uh, I was like, 
all my spare time I've had in the past 10 years has gone into like booking and managing the band. And I kind of felt it was coming to his moment. And just kind of down the drain straight away, just like flushed that gone. It's like, fuck this. So then after uh, five days of having a proper like hissy fit, uh, I went, right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to let someone else do this. It's about time we hire someone who actually knows what they're doing. And I get an actual booking agent who has contracts and things like that. You can actually because decent gigs with people who aren't like drug addicts and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> you, you get some like good tours. And if, if they, if we have to cancel any of them, you'll have an, enough contacts that he'll be able to get some other gigs. I wouldn't just be like, oh, far against down dream. So yeah, that's, I guess the whole thing. That was like a whole thing, man. That's a, that's fucking stressful, man. Like having to do all that shit for that long. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you, it was justifiably justifiable for you to crack i mean yeah yeah, yeah I'm, I think I'm, I'm yeah there'll be a lot of people listening to this who uh, manage their own bands and stuff and gone through the same things like oh yeah i, I totally get what you mean. yeah i kind of do that with my band and we're just small scale piece of shit but like i don't like doing any of that i really don't i don't like talking to i mean if i already know the promoter or whoever the venue is cool but like trying to talk to new people and then waiting for him to come back like right now i currently have I'm supposed to do a show here soon on the 20th and i still have no information no flyer and it's like almost about two weeks that does not give me oh, time wow. to, that does not give me time to promote the small place or what it is and at this point i'm like i'm more worried about the the show we're doing previously because we're supposed to be like open for bad wolves but like i'd rather do that and worry about that than worry about the small time person who doesn't want to get back with me it's like oh i can't, I can't imagine on the scale you were doing having to deal with that kind of shit no hell no yeah it's all right okay okay but the fun thing about having like a booking agent and stuff now is that they do all that they contract things out so i don't need to worry about that if, yeah uh, someone's I mean, on I... their own job, someone else will chase but my logic was that's their full-time job whereas i i work full-time and i ain't always doing the band so if someone whose actual full-time job is like book gigs and things they'll do a better job of it I know make things that are in line and if they're getting like a what like a percentage of each gig like, like incentive for them to like make it work whereas i, I was not getting paid to do it i was right in the band yeah I, it was just something i did because i loved in the band so may i ask what do you do on the side for work oh i, I just work in an office man like i like manage like an office oh and so like yeah. work is pretty like lenient for you to just go on tour and play the band and basically yeah pretty much man like i can work remotely and things so then I, I can take x amount of like pay leave off and i can take like uh, unpaid leave and things but since i can work remotely if we're playing uk gigs i can just go to another branch of my office and work there then go play the gig so i can still like travel and work which is very helpful very helpful for uh the kind of stuff we're doing mm, nice yeah that's a i feel like a lot of people can't do what you do unless they actually have that kind of job at the most people could take like two weeks off but yeah, totally, that's totally. pretty cool. And the rest, the rest of the band do, does the same thing. They're able to do that, or just yeah, for the most part, for the most oh, part. Um, one of our guitarists works in like uh, retail fast foods, but they're quite flexible. And yeah. one of them works for like a youth charity, but mm. they seem to be also quite flexible and like uh, take things off. Like he teaches like his mountain biking things, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, something like that. But that's kind of what made the whole lockdown period easier as well because. I knew people who are full-time booking agents and full-time uh, artists and stuff. They were yeah. just unemployed pretty much like straight away. Like, that was it. That was all their income gone. 
you know, like yeah. get deposits and get guarantees of things. You know, like you had no idea when interest rate was going to start up again. So that was them. Whereas for me, I just went to work, wrote some yeah. songs, wrote an album, uh, came back, came back a bit stronger. But mm. obviously, I had a bit more of a bumper bank compared to some other people. Yeah, and then so you all live close to each other to practice, or how's how does the workflow go with your band? Oh, we do not live close to each other, man. We all live at least an hour away. So two times a week, I'll drive through to Glasgow, where our practice studio is, to meet the rest of the band. Mm. And uh, yeah, so that's like two-hour commute. Uh, so the way we write stuff is, I have this program called Guitar Pro. Uh, I mm-hmm. don't actually play guitar. I just know how notes work. So yeah. I can like finger riffs and tab them out. Then I send them to my band members, and they can learn them. Then they can take them to the practice studio. Then we can... All, all have like we can all even know the song by the time we get in and just rehearse together, or we can have ideas on what we want to do and bring the ideas to the practice space. So we're kind of starting from zero because I think the, how far away we live from each other if we just turned up with no clue on how to write a song and tried to like teach each other riffs and stuff there, it's just a massive waste of time. It's like, okay, cool, now I need to drive like an hour home. And such with the kind of music we play as well, you kind of need some kind of blueprint to work from. So basically, homework is important. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Uh, audience out there, bands listening, homework is fucking important. I, I know this feeling, but I'm not going to say as much. <laughs> because, you know, you're right. Like, 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 for instance, my band, we don't have very much time to practice at all. Uh, our schedules are kind of weird. The, the most we get maybe three hours. You really can't oh. accomplish. What was that? Is that a baby? Heard oh, something. I'm sitting in IKEA. Yeah, I'm sitting in the car park of IKEA right now. I heard a I heard a bird and seagulls earlier. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm just like sitting in a car outside <laughs> IKEA right now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, like we only got at the most like a week, once a week to practice, maybe at the most three hours. Actually, today, and like, I don't feel like we get much accomplished every time. And I, I write demos. Not because I'm trying to take over the band. It's just like I have song ideas. I'm gonna write shit, and I send it out to them. Like, what do you guys think of this stuff? And then I would hope they work on it. I mean, I think uh, some of them work on it at home, but like how we work is that's how we work. The homework is important because when we get together, I feel like we screw around more than we actually like play shit. Oh, it's yeah, like okay. I'm like this isn't, and I'm all about like writing these songs, you know, as quick as we can because it's important to have so much material because you never know what you'll use when you go to the studio next. And I don't know. I feel like a lot of bands waste time. I mean, if you got a whole day, maybe, but that's not convenient for a lot of people. And I always feel like, yeah, homework is very important, <laughs> but I mean, no, definitely, definitely. Yeah. find out how the best way to maximize like, your workflow and stuff. So, some of our members have like, kids and families and things as well. Yeah. So yeah. Know. Which yeah, I we get like that. make most of each that all the time. Right. But obviously you guys have been doing this for a while, so it's not like, I should say, like it doesn't bring the band down because they got families and other lives. You still got the band, the importance of the band as well. Yeah, totally. Like, especially in recent years, the band's been doing bigger fests and bigger tours and stuff, and fan base has kind of grown a bit, which we're all very grateful for. It also means that you can kind of justify putting time into it. Hmm. Now that I'm listening to you, I'm trying to guess what you look like now. I mean, I'm, so again, I'm playing this game. 
and the audience is going to slowly guess that I'm playing a game where I try to guess what Chris looks like or whoever guess we have. I feel like <laughs> you either look like Rudger Howard, the actor, or Lars Ulrich. <laughs> Lar- uh, Rudger Howard, who's he again? He's some actor from like the 80s. What was the end? I recognize the name. I guess uh, Blade I Runner is the bad guy. On a, yeah, he's the guy who does a. Fuck, he, he died recently, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he I just mean, died a couple years ago. Yeah, I'm talking about the, the young version of him, not like oh, you're. I'm not saying you're old or anything. <laughs> no, 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 I know. What you mean, he, yeah, he's a guy. He's, he's a replicant, right? I know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, that guy or Lars Ulrich. I'd say probably more like Rucker Howard than Lars Ulrich. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Anyway. <laughs> But turn your camera on. This is what we do if right, I get it. it. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Here we go. You look nothing like I thought. You look like my friend Randy. That's funny. No, I was off. Randy <laughs> guy. I was way off. You've been off every fucking time. I'm way off. Uh, it's I, hard. Pitched... I guess if you hear a Scottish accent, most people think you're going to look like Grand Skipper Willie or something. Yeah. Eric Tarsal looks like Grand Skipper Willie. He's a big ginger guy. <laughs> Well, I wasn't gonna guess that, but I know like you know Colin Farrell and all them. Like that's probably what you closest look like. How about that? But I didn't guess that. I just assumed you had blonde hair, and I don't know why. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 no blonde hair. All right, yeah. you can turn your camera off. That's cool. Okay. <laughs> uh, don't look suck. at me. I suck at this fucking game. <laughs> I was into the game, man. Like sometimes you hear people's voices, and they look nothing like. No, what, uh, that's why it's fun to me. Say. Because I look like a fucking mass murderer, Saddam Hussein, but I have a stupid voice, so I don't know like what people think of me before they see me talk. And I was telling Brandon, well, I think we both sound, hate the sound of our voices on the record, but oh yeah, I absolutely hate hearing my voice back. Like, I, I, as far as Scottish accents go as well, I have a pretty weird one because my family's like Irish, so uh, it's a bit of a weird mix. Like other people in Scotland think I sound like American. <laughs> that, that, no, I couldn't hear. No. It was- <laughs> Yeah. What? I was say, I don't think you sound like American. No, no, no. I, I don't think I sound American, but yeah, if you come to Scotland, not everyone has an accent like mine. But you also have like the UK going, UK accent going, or a little bit of mix. No, you all sound like I guess, that. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think my dialect is a bit more like standard English than what yeah. you get in Scotland. Yeah. Because it's not like super thick, but <laughs> enough you, yeah. enough to notice. Anyway, um, you got any crazy stories? Like, you know, like what about how does things work in the studio for you? You guys get along pretty well. Like, you're not like fucking angry when you're recording an album or like little things about like basically. I would assume you you and your band get along pretty well on the road and in the studio. Obviously, yeah, I'd say for the most part. Like, obviously, bands always butt heads and stuff. And if you're in close. Cool uh, quarters with people for a while. Yeah, some people can overreact to things. Like I've been guilty of it. Everyone else has been guilty. It fucking does happen. But if you're tired, uncomfortable, it can happen. But no, like I, usually recording is fine. Just last time we recorded an album, uh, last album, we did that during over the lo- over the lockdown. So it was kind of quite strict on how we could do it. Hmm. So we we have a friend who has a studio. Uh, he is like a recording lecturer. So we just kind of go in and do it when it was like possible. So we'd end up doing like 13 hour shifts in the studio, like morning to middle of the night. Wow. Just to kind of get it all in. I think I recorded the last note of the bass of the Parkan album at something like 4 a.m. I was like, 
Damn. So dumb, man. That's a long this is a great... time. Yeah, like I could but like it... since yeah. since like lockdown and stuff, uh, we couldn't really like have multiple days in a row. It could only just be when we're like kind of allowed to do it. So we had to cram as much as we could into each session, and that, that was dumb. That was like really dumb. No, I mean, like I don't think it's dumb. Like that's, I if I, if I had a choice. I mean, I'm a small band. If I had a choice, I'd love 13 hours. I mean, I'm I'm sure you get fucking ear fatigue and shit, and like, you don't want to hear the click track beeping at you for that long. But like, oh, yeah, you hear your dreams, man. You're in your dreams. Yeah, and you see like the bars and shit, and like, yeah, I could. So when you prepared for that, obviously you you did your homework before you entered the studio, and you guys were all set to do it. Then correct? You're like, no, we shouldn't, or. Like, yeah, it's a bit difficult. Like, because we couldn't actually like get into a space to rehearse there. Like our practice space at that point, it kind of got it's really weird. So we got locked out of our practice space because it's like a kind of commercial unit. At a point, the people who owned it were like, right, since the lockdowns happened, no one can come in here because we don't have the right insurance for it. But it turned out that wasn't the case, and they just hadn't paid their electricity bill, and they were like siphoning <laughs> electricity off like another site. And they didn't want him to find out, so he just locked everyone out. Then, then uh, when we were allowed to be back in, completely unrelated to lockdown and stuff, the roof of the practice space caved in. So we had to like shut down the place. So in the weeks leading up to recording the album, we got very little rehearsal time in for various reasons. Like we couldn't get in because the place was run like sketch people. Then we couldn't get in because the fucking hallway roof got caved in, so we couldn't actually physically reach all our equipment. It was fucking bizarre. Why the hell did that happen? Eventually. Uh, who knows, man? Who knows? I like to keep saying it's the universe. The universe is against me. It's like, is oh, it... this is going well for you. You, you got the sword. Yeah. Got to yeah. keep it ripping. Does was the building old? Relatively, like most buildings in Scotland were built in like the seventies and eighties, so not not like hugely old. Oh, I, I just picture like some. I have picture things with Stonehenge's that look like Stonehenge, <laughs> fucking oh, like no. wooden well, roofs. So... <laughs> not quite, man. It was like an actual like industrial like warehouse. Was I was fucking. Interesting timing uh, on on the universe's part. Mm. So yeah, it's it just meant like nothing to do with the lockdown. We just delayed because of a fucking structural error in the building while we're uh, doing the lockdown. Mm, that's crazy. <laughs> you might have a curse on you. I don't know. That's what I think, man. Like I know, I'm, like, I'm grateful for what the band does and stuff and all the places I get to see. But it does feel like we're cursed at points. Like. Nothing is as straightforward as you should be. Well, we've been together for a long time, so I think like you're ready for anything, really. Honestly, just getting, yeah, no, getting I, the punches, as they say. Yeah. So, got, yeah, I would say one thing: we got really good at rolling with stuff. Like if things happen, we can just kind of deal with it. But mm-hmm. and just the uh, frequency of things happen. In fact, right, even in two weeks' time, we're going over to the Netherlands to play two gigs, and. Nice. Uh, I got these like amazing flights. Like we found like perfect flights that are like super cheap and stuff. And then uh, literally yesterday, the outbound flight got cancelled by an airline. So we now have to take the most convoluted route. Oh, <laughs> it's just like it's it's has become so complicated, unnecessary for no reason. So, does your uh, you're on a label, correct? Yes, we're currently on Gorehouse uh, mm-hmm. Productions. And they treat you pretty good and like are able to give you all these flights that you're talking about. And I mean, have they been pretty good to you, like as far as the label goes? Yeah, as far as labels, uh, yeah, yeah, they've, they've been good. And they funded like last time stuff. 
mm. it's not really the label that deals with flights and stuff. It's more like guarantees you get from ports and things. So, mm. like all, all that comes from like the fee we get paid and things. But uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I can't, can't complain about Carl so much. Mm. He's been a nice guy. We've known Carl for a while. He uh, took a chance on us back in the day. So, and it worked out. He got us over to America and things. Yeah, that's that's pretty good considering like where you're from, like a tiny town. You said. Yeah, man. For something I had never asked, like, you guys have, I guess, for the audience and like young people listening, like, how's endorsements work with you guys? Do you have any like instrument endorsement, etc.? Yeah, a few, I think. Yeah. Um, so I I've got an endorsement from a company called Waghorn Guitars, which is a UK based custom luthier. Okay, I've heard. So of he, that, uh, yeah. yeah, so he built me like a custom bass and stuff, mm. and I got an endorsement from him. Our guitarist, he's endorsed by Ormsby Guitars in Australia. So he gets okay. like uh, good deals with them. He gets like a custom and things. Hmm. Uh, our endorsements, we got a, our drummer just got a stick endorsement. I can't remember what a company's called, but he's got a nonsensical, but he's got custom party can sticks. Hmm. So that's, that's pretty helpful, especially when you play drums and break stuff all the time. That's, are they like, going to be like colored? Helpful. Are they going to be colored? Like colored wood? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, he, this should he's be. Got, like, yeah, he's got colors on man. It looks awesome. <laughs> so, like, I guess. I've I've actually noticed like a couple local bands actually said like man how could I get endorsed but like again I think and you could probably chime in like you really have to have like quite a following and a really good social following correct because that's what companies want they want they want you to yeah, sell each, their stuff basically for them each each company have their own criteria so some companies want you to do X amount of days on a rows some companies want you to have X amount of following just anything to kind of advertise them. Uh, yeah. I got my endorsement because we had a lot of tours lined up at that point. So I just set him a touring schedule, like a Spotify place and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. I'll give you his deal. And I was, I was very happy with that. That makes sense. I mean, like, obviously these aren't like any local gigs because I feel like some, like, young people think that, like, they're going to play a few shows locally that a company is going to try to give them stuff. And I'm like, I didn't chime in, but I know how that kind of works. And I know, like, I know my band doesn't do enough for any kind of that stuff, but I feel like that kind of information is important to lay out there for anybody. No, listening. definitely, definitely. Yeah. You need to manage your expectations if you know what you want. Right. And the company isn't just going to endorse you because you're in a band. You really have to like do stuff <laughs> like it, it, it. Basically it's always going to be hard work no matter what yeah. you do as far as, yeah. Fortunately, like being in a band is all about making you yourself like a marketable entity. Yeah. No matter how extreme your music is, which is the same. Yeah, the killer part of it. Hmm. That's good to know if anybody's listening to that. <laughs> so, I guess uh, any other crazy stories? You know, since so far it's been really, I mean, you told me some, told us some crazy shit, but like it's been good that you're still like haven't given up. Aside from that five days, you, nice. took a, you flipped out, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I think five, five days out of thirteen years isn't too bad. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't know, like absolute fucking mental ones. I... Any weird venues like that were got hostile with you, or like even though you were on contract to play it and it wasn't exactly what you thought, or little things like that. <laughs> we we managed to piss off. We managed to piss off a few venues and kind of understandably because we always throw out, throw out like inflatables during our set, like just get everywhere. Yeah, like we're playing a venue in Philadelphia <laughs> uh, one year and we threw like a giant inflatable whale into the audience. And people were like just destroying the lights with it and stuff. The sound guy eventually appeared and confiscated his giant inflatable wheel 
and pilled it on his big spike outside. He was fucking furious. Uh, which I get, but at the same time, like, oh well, you boot party can, what do you expect? <laughs> I mean, how much... How much do you, okay? This fine. How much do you uh spend in like inflatables? Do you have like an endorsement for that or anything? Like, I, I fucking watch that. I've been one endorsement would be like really really useful. Hey, anybody Thanks, listening please. who owns inflatables, party cannons, your guys. <laughs> yeah, please, please, that'd really help. Um, we're kind of got a point where people turn up with inflatables to gigs, so we can kind of bank on that helping, uh, and that keeps costs down. But I think I, when we last went to America, I think I spent something like three hundred to five hundred pounds on beach balls in Wales. And I was for like a free week tour. Let's go to Family Dollars. You know what Family Dollars out here, do you? No, 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 no. When you come, when you come out here, go down to some Family Dollars. They're basically like a. There's a Dollar Tree and a Family Dollar, and everything's about a. It's supposed to be one dollar. Well, oh nice. Yeah. Now they've increased the prices because we have right. inflation. So, the dollar store is not no longer a dollar. It's like a dollar twenty-five for everything. Oh, so. Is no, it's just the store now. It's just not no. the dollar store anymore. It's just the store. It's, it's still real. It's still relatively cheap there. But if you're ever on tour and you see them because they're fucking everywhere, that would be probably the place you'd want to get inflatables. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So way to stop. I remember like buying an entire crate of inflatables at Walmart because we ran out. I was like, "Fuck me, <laughs> this is a life for you." Funny. I've I, obviously I've never heard of you guys other than what Brandon told me. So like I definitely gotta check this out now because again, I wanna I like to hear people's stories without knowing who they are exactly. To me, that makes it more exciting to hear that. No, you don't. And, you know, but I definitely want to see this now. All these inflatables because I feel like yeah, like I think that energy helps because once in a while you go to a show and somebody's hitting a beach ball or something like an inflatable like cock and it's like you just hit it and it's like. It makes people, it, it brings out the children in you, like having a good time, music, and you guys definitely got a good marketing here because of what you're doing. <laughs> I'm not sure, man. It seems to go down well in most places. We're uh, playing a really cool festival next weekend, but I'm kind of wondering how we're going to go down. Uh, it's called Incineration Fest. Like, our actual booking agent runs it. He's a, yeah. Yeah, he's a really good agent. It's a really good festival, but uh, it's kind of, there's a lot of, like black metal bands playing, and the stage we're on is like a fucking awesome lineup but it's like us and enslaved and suffocation so i wonder what the mix of crowds gonna be like every time we play london is amazing but yeah. we usually play with bands that are kind of similar to us so i'm excited to like play with some different bands some new people but i just hope they all all get the vibe fuck it don't it don't get it fucking fuck it i'm sure one more yeah i don't i don't do you guys get that shit a lot like people not understanding the crossover or... Not really, to be honest. Uh, usually, the kind of gigs we play, it's kind of. I think the kind of people who come to those gigs would kind of get. So, mm -hmm. this is the first time in a while we're doing an actual big crossover. So, I'm interested to see how it goes. I feel usually, like, however. Yeah, I feel like. I guess this is for the metalheads. Like, stop with your elitist shit, please. Because, like, I like going to a show where it's very. It varies. It's still metal, but, like, it's a different kind. Because if I went to a black metal show and it was all black metal, I'd be blast beated out. I mean, I like variety too. I like, I still like blast beats, but if the music's like entail is different than the next, it's like, hell yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, yeah, I can like, get it. I can get it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be a cool mix. Cool mix, man. man. Yeah. Cause like I said, another podcast, like my, my old band once opened up for like Arsis and like Sonata Artica. 
two fucking different okay. bands two different bands yeah. and it was amazing like there should be more of this like technical death metal and like fucking symphonic european metal like what's yep, wrong with a, that that's, you know that's a that's an interesting lineup i mean i can see it work we were on tour supporting gore last year nice that's pretty different so i mean the music's very different but it really right. worked like the vibe was there it was there. obviously gore like a lot of fun we're a lot of fun live it's still quite extreme music like uh, gore call extreme content when like disemboweling people and stuff right so but initially i was like oh this is gonna be weird but when it went there, I was like no this is actually perfect this is so good yeah i mean yeah they're they're kind of like basically an entertaining like audience band who's shooting the letter where but yeah. that's funny you guys get shit for a fucking inflatable whale but they always like douse the place with their fake blood and guts and shit barf <laughs> I've actually never seen Gora live. I probably should have went when they came by here. I oh, saw him. It was in amazing. 2007. Damn it. That was the messiest show I've ever been to. It's the best, best band I've ever seen live. Uh, first time I saw him, they had Voivod supporting. And when I left, there was like something like an inch of blood left on the ground. Oh my God. It's insane, man. <laughs> like, when we, when we went to Gora, this, is, this isn't like a, this is just like a dumb story. Uh, sure. We went to Gore and I bought a white Gore shirt and I went, this is going to get messy. So what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to put this in my bag. I'm not going to wear it until I get home. And I wore it once and I put it in the washing machine and dyed it pink back. Wow. All that all that effort did not get sprayed by fucking Gore blood. And I just fucked up myself. <laughs> well, that pink is the new the new thing, you know. Pink is <laughs> the new white, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> nice. Damn. Any other crazy story? I mean, I mean, yeah, this is pretty cool. Like all these random ones I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, and I have nothing else. Like two, two like fucking metal. Um, oh, like okay. anytime I've been on tour in America, like everyone's been dead nights. Like they're like shooting their guns and stuff, and that's that's pretty crazy to us. But I said America's listening. Like wait, who's shooting anytime guns? We go to America, uh, anytime we go to America, we always find people that let us just shoot shoot guns and stuff. Oh. Which is really crazy to us because we we don't have guns in Scotland, but I'm sure the Americans listen like, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's normal. That's explained. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Here in America, we love our guns. Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun, man. But we stayed at one guy's house in Florida, and he had always like homemade Molotov cocktails, so he just let us throw in his garden. The fuck? That's that, that's a Florida thing. I say that that's definitely sounds yeah. like a Florida thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was like proper Florida, man. It's insane. Are you uh, got any plans to come back over here soon, or it's gonna be a bit? We got something in the works. It'll be announced soon, I think. But we are, we'll be back sooner than you think. Uh, audience, keep keep a, pay attention to this. They're gonna announce something later. Well, yeah, by, by the time this airs, it, it might be announced. Yeah, probably. You're right. <laughs> are you guys plan on? If... Is there gonna be a possible Indiana stop by? Because that's where Ed and I are actually from. Anywhere relatively close to the Midwest hell. Essentially, my uh, my my American geography is quite bad, but I will send you the tour route, and I'll let you know. Right on, right on. We we notice a lot of, sadly, a lot of some tours come through Indiana, and some skip us. And I kind of wonder what that is. And one day I'll get an answer, but maybe because we suck, I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) We're a flyover state. (laughs) At least that's what that country song says. What's the is in Indiana that people usually play? I'm trying. Try, I'm trying to remember. Have I been to Indiana? Yeah. Um, we we got our grand. That's Grand Rapids. That's Michigan. Never mind. We got Indianapolis. Indianapolis. 
there's Indianapolis and there's uh, uh Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne. Warm just played here not too long ago. Yeah. Indianapolis and Fort Wayne and I think are probably the two biggest far as like places. Hmm. Fort Wayne, maybe been Fort Wayne. Yeah, you know, guys, I know hopefully anyway. But I'd like to go to Indiana if I've not been. Right on. Yeah, we're okay. You'll see a lot of corn. <laughs> oh yeah, we've uh, we've done like we've been to like Chicago and Illinois and stuff like that. We've been been to Midwest states before, so yeah. we've seen the cornfields, man. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Chicago's <laughs> no, only a couple hours from us. Like Yeah. At least for me, I think it's about what is it, about an hour and a half for you, Ed? Mm, about no, two. Where, yeah. Where I live in is mostly fields anyway. It's like being back at home. But nicer. <laughs> you, yeah, it just looks like a nice scenery up there, just from the pictures and you know videos. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, if you go to Scotland and you like hills and stuff like that, you'll definitely, definitely enjoy it. I always think I don't know why, and I think of like other European countries also that like it's still stuck there, and you people still live in like log cabins and kind of dress no, like. People. But obviously, you don't. But my dumbass head, like I always assume Swedish people still have the old outfits and play like folk uh, music, but it's not the case, so, obviously. Yes, yeah, sometimes when we go abroad, people are amazed that Scotland has like running water and things like they think it's like a printed village. Uh, one guy we met in Nashville, he's like, I didn't know you guys were Scottish. I thought your guys were Czechoslovakian. He's like, I've got some news for you, man. <laughs> not a country anymore. Oh, damn. <laughs> Is that Czechoslovakia isn't now the Czech Republic? It's not even a Czech Republic anymore. It's called Czechia and Slovakia. Huh. Damn, that's why I failed fucking history and they don't teach us a whole lot over there unless we're at war with them. And that's just because they want, <laughs> oh, they want to propagate things. Because <laughs> we're for some yeah, reason always at war with someone here in America. We always have to be fighting. So that's a completely different topic for a different right. podcast. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where the guns come from. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. But I do love America. Like it's probably my favorite place to tour. Everyone's so nice. Everyone's so different from the UK. It's just, it's a whole different world, man. Well, we, we try. I think a lot of us are grateful for bands that like make their way out here. And we do, well, for most, for most of us, we do our best to like make them feel welcome because, you know, their music means a lot. And like, I love a lot of, European bands, and it's like awesome to meet them. It's like, holy shit, you know, it's cool. That's all right, like, like, I remember when I first started with gigs in Glasgow and stuff, and I just meet American people for the first time ever. Like, holy shit, there's actually Americans here. This is, this is mad. <laughs> it's, like, it's like unbelievable to see these people. Yeah. I always feel like yeah. Americans give a bad vibe to the rest of the world because I feel like they all think we're arrogant assholes, which I could see because I do feel like sometimes. <laughs> America does come off like a bunch of assholes. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, I think tourists are like a different breed. Like, British tourists are some of the worst. But if you meet like a British band, like a Scottish band, they've been always very nice and under. But like tourists, just like, especially like uh, the UK, we've got such a rep for just going places and getting belligerently drunk and just like fucking things up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think bands just do that. I think bands are a bit more like uh, grateful to be there. Yeah. Well, we can probably get close to wrapping this up. Now, what we've been doing 
I don't know if you've been able to check out any of the episodes we have out that are released right now or not, but at the end of every episode, we include a song from the band. That way the listener is able to actually hear the band's music from who we just interviewed. So if, there, if there's a specific song that you would like to have on here, you can send it to me. I can add it to the end of the episode. Sounds good, man. I'll send you a song from a new album called Grass Obliteration that's got Don from Wicked as Ever doing guest vocals. Hell yeah. A short song, really fast, got a big breakdown in the middle. I think people like that one. Right on. Again, do you want to give a little bit of a plug of where they can check your band out, some, anything where they can find out, like on Spotify, they can find you on Facebook? Yeah, you can find us everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, Twitter. Uh, if you go to party-canon or party-canon, however you want to do it, .com, you'll find all our information. You'll find our merch store. You'll find booking info. You'll find management info. You'll find everything, man. It's got all the links to our socials. It's got all the links to our YouTube and things like that. Even if you just Google Polycanon Band, we'll definitely come up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're the only one out there, so. <laughs> yeah, you'll find, if you Google Polycanon Band, you'll find hundreds of articles about our logo. Then you'll eventually find our social media pages. It's funny because I've talked to several people that we're going to interview you. They're like, I've never heard them, but I know who they are because they all recognize your logo. Like I said, you're very, you stand out so much. They've seen your stuff. They might not have heard you, but they all recognize you. Exactly. I think, man, like uh, I've met a few lecturers from universities around the UK and they say they cover our logo in their uh, arts and marketing courses and things like that. Hmm. So it's like actual, like fucking scholarly people covering a, a university. You go to a lecture and you'll have to learn about the party kind of local. You've made it big, then. You yeah. have made it big. If yeah, it's about you. <laughs> Marketing genius. Really, yeah. yeah, it's really fucking weird, man. And you thought of that logo, correct? Yeah, yeah. I think it was just kind of came, Damn. came to us like, oh, going to be called Party Can. Let's just uh, rip off the Toys R Us logo. And uh, <laughs> we uh, commissioned this guy called, uh, oh, I don't know, actually, I'm going to name him. Uh, commissioned this guy to make the logo. Then he did like a t shirt design for us. <laughs> and he did a good job. So I went back to him for another shirt design. He just disappeared, took him away, and fucked off. They'd appear back on Facebook every now and again, like just post like insane conspiracy theories. And uh, then disappear again. So I spent ages trying to hunt him down. Then uh, he eventually came back and I went, right, I left a review on his page. Don't work with this guy. He still owes me like $100. He rubbed me off on his shirt design. And then he uh, turned out he lived in like a tent and he was like absolutely feral and insane. And uh, he was accusing <laughs> everyone of being like, uh, fucking, he accused everybody of being pedophiles and being part of a pedophile cult and stuff. And uh, yeah, it was really bizarre. That's a then he other, made his yeah. own, yeah, then he made his own party cannon page and started pretending to be in the band. It was really weird. Wow, like, I was, I mean, back on the subject of strange, like, I was, I feel like people that start doing like shirt designs or merch, they usually do good and then they fucking disappear. Yeah, that's. I've had that experience. Brandon has that experience too, right? I have several. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Like, I'm going to oh, start a shirt training business and logos, and then they they go bizarre and they fucking disappear. Like, I have my own conspiracy about merch designers. I think they're all the same person. Like, <laughs> like this is for real. Business. I've started getting on Fiverr. I'm going to release some uh, secrets here to anyone out there listening who needs some tips. I get on Fiverr. And you can find people that will actually make designs for you for relatively cheap, but every single one of them 
that I've dealt with, they all come from Indonesia. And yes, most of the, there's a most, lot of good artists in Indonesia, man. A lot of the people that I've talked to, all their artwork is very similar to the next person. So it's like, are these all the same person with a different <laughs> username and you're just communicating with the same person? But I've never had an issue with them just taking the money and never giving me anything. But I did have an issue with someone, again, he was ended up being from Indonesia just before I was on Fiverr. He charged us $500 for a design. And he had logos. He'd done stuff for like big bands like Whitechapel. He's done stuff for like Black Dahlia Murder. He had all these, I don't know if he really did them or not. He just literally had that in his portfolio. And he went at $500. And I was like, man, that's a lot of money, but whatever. So we sent him something and we got it back and it looks really good. But then I noticed at a show, like what we just had these shirts pressed and printed. And the first show, there was another band playing and he had his own merch for his own little recording stuff he was doing. It was the same goddamn artwork. No, really? Like ours was Fuck. like a ours was like a big octopus and everything else. It was the same exact octopus. Like I was like, who did that? He's like, well, I just got that image. He's like, it's just a static image that you get off the internet. I was like, what? So we paid $500 for this guy who didn't even draw the fucking octopus. He literally just found a thing on the internet and just converted it, made it, and like did his own thing. He didn't actually do everything like he claimed he was going to do. Like, to me, that was like, what the fuck did I pay $500 for? Yeah, man, that's fucked. You, you got fucked there, man. Yeah. So... Like I said, the shirts did well. They sold and everything else, but it still kind of chaps my ass a little bit thinking that I spent $500 and he didn't even actually draw the damn shit. Yes, you should definitely kick off about that, man. But it is what it is at this point. I just, like, I've been getting on Fiverr and I pay like 50 bucks for a design and comes back pretty fucking good, so. Come on, yeah, if it works, it works. I'm sure there's a lot of you guys on Fiverr. That's the route that I've been going. Everyone asked how we've always had great shirt designs. I was like, yeah, I just get them on Fiverr. They're like, some people get, uh, I'll say the word butthurt about it because they're like, well, you're not supporting local artists. Well, motherfuckers, I don't want to pay $500 again for someone supposedly local. And it's not even something they even drew. So, but I mean, if you're getting quality stuff, that's, that's the main thing. Yeah. I was like, it's our money that I'm spending. Where does it matter who does the artwork at this rate? Right, I had to play like six dive bars to make that money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shit. But yeah, it's definitely been a pleasure talking with you. Yeah. Yeah, hey, man. Had fun. Cheers, cheers having me on. Yeah. We um definitely have a I completely went full on dumbass at that point, <laughs> so I was about to say. <laughs> no, we uh Definitely appreciate you having you on talking with you. We enjoy hearing the stories and stuff that our guests have shared, and you had some pretty interesting ones and funny ones. So, cheers, man. I'm glad you, glad you enjoyed. Cheers, having me on. Oh, yeah. Everybody, yeah. check out Party Cannon. Yeah, everyone, check out Party Cannon. And anyone that wants to be on an episode of Dark Side of the Scene, just send an email to Brandon at darksideofthescene.com and we'll get you scheduled on a future episode. But we're going to roll on out here. Chris, do you want to say the name of the song one more time? As grass obliteration from our album Volumes of Vomit. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, everyone, right. take it easy. Yeah, catch you guys later. Uh, See you.
been initiated. I am a drug user. Fuck the police!